Hi everyone, welcome to Hopevale Church. I'm Adam Harbaugh, one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for joining us on this 4th of July weekend. And our prayer is that you will experience the hope and the peace of Jesus through today's service. And if you're new here, I want to extend a special welcome to you and invite you to fill out a digital connect card on our website at hopevale.org forward slash new. We'd love to know that you're engaging with us and by filling out that card, it gives us the chance to start getting to know one another. And we especially look forward to when we can meet you in person. If you're a family with children, you can go to hopevale.org slash family resources. That page has great content for you to lead your kids through in worship. And as we prepare to worship Jesus through today's service, let me open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the chance that we have to gather all throughout this region uh, to give your name, the name of Jesus, the praise and the worship that you deserve. And so God, may we focus our hearts and our minds on what you want to communicate to us today. And so Lord, we come with great anticipation of the things that you want to speak to us through Pastor Dan. And um, God, we just wanna glorify you through our voices as we sing these songs of worship. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey everybody, thanks for logging and worshiping with us. Let's worship together. There were walls between us By the cross you came and broke them down You broke them down There were chains around us By the grace we are no longer bound No longer bound You call me out of the grave You call me into the light You call my name and then my heart came alive Your love is great
God so much for your goodness to us and I hope that you find us being a people uh, today as we have logged in to worship you and find you and find your heart. I hope you find us being people that pursue you daily and pursue you um, with everything that we have. That's such a hard thing to do and um, but God uh, here we are. You have our attention uh, as we sing. Uh, you have our whole lives as we sing, we're reminded that um, this life goes so quick. And so whatever our struggles are today, whatever our prayers are today, we lift them up to you. All of us have them. We all have a list of things we're waiting on or things that we're thinking of. So God, uh, if we're after your heart, may you be in all those things that we have uh, going on. Speaking of, may you be in all these things, God. These kinds of prayers we uh, put up uh, maybe about a year ago, and uh, they seem to be a real hit with people because um, I think people were sort of divinely interrupted by these prayers. So these may I prayers, as I like to call them, uh, may these divinely interrupt you today, and may they make you better than when you started uh, watching. God bless you as you read these to, and pray to the Lord.
Hey, Oval, this is Pastor Dan, and I too want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship on this 4th of July weekend. As a matter of fact, as we celebrate our nation's birthday, I'd like you to do a favor for me. Would you stand with me? And we're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance together. So go ahead, stand. Hand on the heart. Let's say this together. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Well done. Go ahead. Have a seat. You know, heading into this 4th of July weekend, I have been thinking a lot about this Pledge of Allegiance that we learned as kids, that many of us growing up began every school day reciting it together as a class, standing just like we did, with our hands placed upon our hearts. And the reason that it has come to my mind these days quite a lot comes down to this one word right here, indivisible. Indivisible. Now, when I say that as a grown-up, out loud, I kind of crack up on the inside because when I was a kid reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, I had absolutely no idea what that word meant. No idea whatsoever, which to me is doubly funny because my parents taught me not to use words that I didn't know what they meant. Now, I'm pretty sure they had in mind me saying certain words out loud that I might have picked up on the playground that were, you know, of the four-letter variety. But the point still stands. Indivisible. What a big word for such a small child like I was back then. Now, years later at this point in my life, I'm pretty sure I finally know what the word indivisible means, and I think you do too. But just to make sure that we're all on the same page, let me share with you what I found when I looked it up in the dictionary. Here it is. Indivisible. Not divisible. That's clever, right? But let's go on. Not separable into parts, incapable of being divided. Example, one nation, indivisible. Incapable of being divided. Boy, when you look around at our country these days, it certainly doesn't feel that way, does it? No, not only does it feel like we are capable of being divided, but at this point in history, it actually seems like we are being divided. Lines are being drawn. Sides are being taken. And it is adding this extra layer of angst and anxiety to on top of what we've already been experiencing with this pandemic and subsequent lockdown. Now, when you talk about lines being drawn and sides being taken, you know, the list is endless, isn't it? You've got Democrat and Republican, liberal, conservative, CNN, Fox News, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. Defund the police, back the blue. Kneeling, standing when it comes to the national anthem. As a matter of fact, we are now even at the point where we are dividing between masks and no masks. 
And not just as opinion or preference, but as a statement and a conviction with so much shouting and so little listening. It is no wonder that as we were watching that video right at the beginning encouraging us to pray for America, that those words right in the middle that said, these are difficult times, there's hurt, confusion, and division, why they resonated so much within us, because that's what we're seeing and hearing and feeling and living. So one nation, under God, indivisible, is it even possible? Well, I'm not the president, and I'm not even a politician, but I am a pastor, And as a pastor here at Hopewell, in tandem with our other spiritual leaders, I am called to bring to bear the scriptures, the Bible, the eternal word of God to this flock for these times. And so that's what I'm going to do in our time together today on this 4th of July weekend. And even more specifically, I want to share with you some thoughts on patriotism and partisanship from a Christian perspective. Listen, I know that these are emotional topics in extremely tense times. And I'm sure that some of what I'm gonna say might tick some of you off, and you know what? That's okay. It really is. Go ahead and disagree with me. Just don't be disagreeable about it. Why? Because here's what I do know. That real and positive and lasting change will never happen in our nation apart from Jesus and the hope that is found in him. Never. And people are never going to encounter that one true hope unless Jesus' church is indivisible. You, me, us, indivisible. Listen, if we cannot be indivisible in here, then I can guarantee you that things are never going to change out there. Can I get an amen? And so let's have a talk. And to do that, I'm going to approach today's message a little differently. That you can think of this as either one big sermon or three little sermons. And to guide our time together, I'm actually going to use some words from this very Pledge of Allegiance as our roadmap to talk about three relevant topics from a Christian perspective. Trust me, it'll make more sense as we go along. So let's dive in. Here is the first. Allegiance. Allegiance. Now on this 4th of July weekend, let me say this right up front. I love our country. I love our country. And given all the unrest that we've been experiencing as a nation, I bet there are times when you feel like you're going to get shamed for even admitting it out loud. That is how fragile things seem these days. But as an American citizen, I can tell you that there are so many things that I am thankful for. For instance, I am thankful that we live in a democracy, not a dictatorship. A democracy, not a dictatorship, that we have a voice, that we get to vote. 
You know, in a strange way, we should actually appreciate all the protests that are going on right now, whether we agree with them or not. Because not all nations enjoy the freedom of expression like we get to. I'm also thankful for our troops, for law enforcement, for public servants, for first responders, for emergency personnel, men and women who selflessly serve our nation, our state, and our community. And I'm especially thankful for religious liberty and the freedom of worship that we get to enjoy. Because even as I say that, I know that right now we have Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who experience very costly, very violent religious persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we need to remember them in our prayers. But we, we have that freedom to worship. And these are just a few things about the United States of America that I'm thankful for. So yes, I love our country, but here's what you need to know. That this love is not a blind love, nor is it a first love. It's not a blind love, nor is it a first love. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me challenge you that the same should be true of you as well. Listen, as a Christian, you can love America, but make sure it's not a blind love, nor your first love. You can love America, but make sure it's not a blind love, nor your first love. So what do I mean by that? Well, when I say that our love for America isn't a blind love. Here's what I'm trying to get across. That acknowledging our flaws and our faults as a nation doesn't mean you are unpatriotic. It doesn't. Now, I know some people, they define patriotism as love it or leave it, right? And they view any criticism as being un-American. But can we just get really honest for a moment? Our nation isn't perfect. It's not. I mean, think about this whole issue of race that we're wrestling with these days. That whether you want to admit it or not, our country has racial injustice baked right into our roots from the past. So that when we read these wonderful words at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence signed on July 4th, 1776, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That while all men are created equal, back in 1776, not all men were treated equal. They weren't. No, it took nearly a century before the passage of the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery, and then the passage of the 14th Amendment that made enslaved people full American citizens, and then the 15th Amendment that granted African-American men the right to vote, which, by the way, you women, regardless of race, you had to wait even longer for that right. And yet even with these three wonderful amendments. We didn't solve the problem of race. We didn't. Jim Crow laws, the KKK, 
lynching, racial profiling, police brutality, redlining. These are all proof that maybe we have made some progress, but we still have so far to go. See, this is my point, that you can sing America the Beautiful and really mean it. You can, but you can also acknowledge that America is broken, especially for some people, and that we can do better. We can do better. Beautiful and broken, both can be true. So watch out, right, for blind patriotic love. Now let me talk about this other one, first love, because this is where our faith in Jesus Christ really comes into play. So pay attention, this is really important, that as Christians, in the end, we should have only one first love and one primary allegiance. One first love and one primary allegiance. And that ultimately and exclusively, those belong to Jesus. They belong to Jesus. You know, I think at the very end of Jesus' life, Moments before the cross, where the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, says to this bloodthirsty crowd, here is your king. But the crowd shouts in return, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate then asks, shall I crucify your king? To which the religious leaders in the crowd, these worshipers of God who should have known better, answered with these words, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar, the Roman emperor. Now these words are such a contrast to how Jesus answered Pilate right before in private when Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? They went back and forth and that Jesus then declared this in the Gospel of John. Chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. From another place. And so for us as Christians, our cry needs to be, we have no king but Jesus. We have no king but Jesus. First love, primary allegiance. So, who's your king? Who's your king? See, as Americans, we should honor the office of the president while also not falling into the trap of blind love and hero worship for whoever is in charge, whether that is President Trump, President Obama, or anyone else across the partisan political spectrum. We have no king but Jesus. And as the Apostle Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven, which, by the way, when Paul wrote that, he wasn't telling us to devalue or even disavow our American citizenship. He saw value in that. He just wanted Christians from all nations throughout all times to give their first love and their primary allegiance to Jesus. So through the years when I've been asked the question, why doesn't Hopewell have an American flag in their worship auditorium? It's this very conversation about primary allegiance that I give as an answer. See, 
It doesn't mean we're un-American. It doesn't mean we are unpatriotic. But rather, as a Christian church, our core symbol is a cross, not a flag. And our main mission is to invite others to know and follow Jesus who hung on that cross in our place for our sins. This same Jesus who rose victoriously from the dead because this is where we find our hope. Our primary allegiance belongs to Jesus. Well, I've spent a lot of time on this first one, which is found right at the beginning of the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's move on to the second one, which we find right at the end with these words. With liberty and justice for all. With liberty and justice for all. You know, one of the great things about the founding of our nation as a democratic republic instead of a tyrannical monarchy is the idea that everyone gets a fair shot at justice. Everyone gets a fair shot at justice. So instead of a king or a dictator who rounds up people and throws them into jail or even executes them just because he doesn't like them, the Sixth Amendment of our Constitution guarantees us the right of a speedy and public trial judged by an impartial jury of our peers. That justice, in theory, isn't just for the rich and well-connected, but rather it is literally for everyone. Everyone. And I am so grateful that our founding fathers were passionate about liberty and justice for all because that passion reflects the very hearts of our God. It does. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, that the Lord is a God of justice, we're told. And it's important for us as followers of Jesus to grasp that because these days the very word justice has somehow become politicized and even more polarizing in our nation right now. Listen, I don't agree with everything I'm hearing about what's wrong with our country and how it should be fixed. But in my disagreement, it would be wrong for me and wrong for us to close our ears to differing perspectives and to lose sight of the fact that justice matters to our God big time. It does. I spent some time this past week surveying a bunch of passages in the Bible about God's heart for justice. And this is amazing how often it shows up. We see it a lot in the wisdom of the Proverbs. You also see it throughout the Old Testament prophets, especially with Isaiah, who speaks of it the most. And so, for instance, the very first chapter of Isaiah, right at the beginning, we read this. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. The oppressed, the fatherless, the widow. In other words, justice for people on the margins. Justice for those in the minority. Justice for those who in society lack power and influence and resources and connections. That's why elsewhere in Isaiah, he also calls out perversions of justice, like bribery, or favoritism where certain people of privilege get to play 
by different rules. And then later on in Isaiah, we read these beautiful prophetic words about Jesus, the coming Messiah. But in Isaiah chapter 42, he is described this way. The Lord says, here is my servant whom I'm uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Verse two, he will not shout or cry or raise his voice in the streets. That was and is the ministry of Jesus while he walked among us. Now look at this. I love the tenderness of Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. End of verse three. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. Did you pick up a theme there? See, Jesus came not just to save our souls, but he also came to bring justice to this world. Liberty and justice for all, that was his idea first. It was. And so there will be a day when King Jesus returns again to make all things right and establishes his perfect justice fully, finally, and forever on this earth. But until that time comes, we as his church need to pray for, care about, and work towards matters of liberty and justice for all. Why? Because these things matter to our Lord. They really do. I was encouraged this past week by a pastor's prayer meeting that I attended down at the Saginaw City Police Department with both black and white pastors along with a representative from the city police. We talked honestly. We listened intently. We prayed earnestly. And we thank God for the peaceful protests and the productive conversations that are taking place in our own community. And so despite all the negativity that you see in the news and all the unrest and all the division, you also need to know some good things are happening as well. They really are because as Christians of all races and not just black and white, but Asian, Hispanic, everyone, that we are not gonna give in to despair because we are a people of hope, a people of hope, liberty and justice for all. And then finally, I want to begin to wind down with the word that I started with at the beginning, indivisible, indivisible. As a pastor of this local church called Hopevale, my primary concern isn't so much one nation under God, indivisible, but rather one church under God, indivisible. Because like I said at the beginning, if we're not gonna be indivisible in here, we're never gonna see real, lasting, positive, and hopeful change out there in our society. And I fear that some of us are getting so caught up in the chaos and the anger that's swirling around us that we are losing sight of what matters most. 
Hopefell, we are a community of grace and truth who are formed, were shaped by Jesus' new covenant commandment to love one another as he has loved us and to do so regardless of our differences. We've got to get past all the pettiness and we need to move on to our higher purpose as Christians. And what is that higher purpose? Here's how the Apostle Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says that as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been given a calling, and you and I were to live worthy of that. You know what isn't a worthy and high calling? Living in fear fretting over the future, picking fights on Facebook. No, Jesus has called you to something different. As a son, as a daughter of your heavenly father, he has called you to something better. And here it is, verse two. Be completely humble and gentle, just like Jesus. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. See, a worthy calling isn't so much about what you do, but rather it's about how you live. And more specifically, it's about how you treat others in the church, both the small C local church called Hopewell and the big C church of Jesus Christ all over this world. And the reason that we are supposed to live that way with each other, verse three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. As we live that way, we can keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And Paul goes on, we do that because we share one faith, we serve one Lord, and we worship one God. Make every effort, not a little effort if you have to, or some effort when you feel like it, or even a lot of effort because that's what's needed. No, make every effort, because when it comes to unity in the church, the stakes are high and the calling is worthy. Now, you've heard me say this in the past, but it bears repeating, that unity is not the same as uniformity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. See, uniformity is everybody seeing everything the exact same way on every single issue, especially the minor ones that are not central to the gospel, the ones that I call fussovers, right? And yet it seems like these are the ones that usually rile us up and cause us to clash with one another. You know, Jesus' vision for his church is not one of conformity, but rather one of diversity in all kinds of ways. Because when we can love people who are not identical to us and who don't always share the same viewpoint on everything, that is when we demonstrate the power of the love of Jesus to the watching world around us. Listen, I know that COVID-19 is a serious thing. And I also know that weighing the health risks against the economic risks can be very complex. Same with the common good versus individual liberties. But man, I, I gotta be honest. I just don't get it when I see too many Christians who aren't being completely humble and gentle, who aren't 
being patient, who aren't bearing with each other in love. And so instead of making your points or winning the fight against someone who you think is completely crazy, maybe you should just walk away and heed the wisdom of Proverbs. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will also become just like him. Don't sink down, but rise above. Let's live lives worthy of the calling we have received as those who know Jesus personally as our Savior and those who are longing to follow him more fully as our Lord because all of our hope is in him. All of it. So Hope Bell, when it comes to being indivisible, let's certainly pray for our nation, healing for the hurt, clarity for the confusion, unity for the division, because just as we saw in that video, we do need things to change, and we know that you and only you, Lord, can do it. And so we pray for our nation, but hopefully let's also make every effort to live our lives under God, and that we would be indivisible as a church in these trying times, loving each other as our King Jesus has selflessly and sacrificially loved us. Let's make love win the day in us and through us so that love will spill over to each other in the church and beyond these four walls to those around us. Oh God, make us indivisible. Let's pray together. God, we believe that there is power in prayer. We believe there is hope in Jesus. And so we will humble ourselves. We will call out in pray, prayer. We will seek your face we will turn from our sin so that you will hear our prayers and heal our land. But not just our land, but the people who inhabit that, both in our society and in our church. Jesus, you have such a high calling for your church. Would you make us worthy of that, Jesus, as your life pulsates in us and through us. Forgive us when we lose sight of that, when we sink down and get just stuck in the mire of pettiness and ugliness, when we're not humble and gentle, when we're not patient, when we're not bearing with each other in love. Forgive us, help us to live differently and to be better. And God, as your church is loving each other, May the power of your love flood our community, our state, our nation, and that, God, you would do a miracle where everyone looked back and would know that it is you and only you. Until that time comes, we're going to keep on working, we're going to keep on loving, and we're going to keep on praying because, Jesus, people are worth it, 
you're worth it. And so we want to live worthy of this great, grand, and glorious calling that you have for us as American citizens and citizens of heaven for such a time as this. We pray, believing, trusting in the power of the name of our King, Jesus. Amen. Our hearts will cry these bones. 
Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'm reminded that the Psalms also say that um, everything is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So um, thank you for joining us in worship today, friends. Thank you for um, having breath and using it to thank the Lord. And with your gifts, uh, we want to say thank you for using those to bless the Lord and bless uh, your church and uh, choosing Hope Vale to use, uh, use what you have so God can take it and make it grand. So God's doing some great works here at Hope Vale, and we just want to say thank you for giving. Lots of ways to do so uh, through our app and on our website. Uh, go ahead and search those out. Uh, pretty easy directions to follow on those. Hey, we want to uh, invite you back uh, for next week. Uh, we're going to begin our new series. It's going to be a good one. Hope, hope you're going to enjoy it. And uh, also, I just want to take just a second to um, want to tee up a video we're going to show you right now. It's a recap video from our night of worship we had last Saturday, uh, June 27, and it was fantastic. Uh, I was really moved. Pastor Dan was really moved. I think so many other people were very moved. Um, one thing that was really kind of cool, well, two things. Uh, one was funny. <laughs> we got to the end of a tune, and people would clap, and uh, I would say, hey, if you're, in your, if you're in your cars and you're on that FM station, let's hear them honks, and then people would honk. It's really cute. It was super fun. And, uh, but the, the really moving thing for me uh, about this night of worship is that, uh, you know, there's two people from our congregation that just lost their spouses. Uh, there's another person that um, was in hospice and wanted to get out. Um, because they didn't have very many days left and um, they wanted to come and worship uh, the Lord. So they sat in their car and worshiped God. And um, well, we need the Lord, friends. Days are going so quickly and moments pass by so fast. And it was a great opportunity for us to come in a socially distant way and, and uh, worship God and thank the Lord for all we have. And we'll look forward to some more things in the future where we can gather. But uh, let's celebrate this gathering as we watch.